Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday morning, and welcome to the VolQuest podcast, presented by Exterior Home Solutions, local trusted since 1999. Exterior Home Solutions, 865 524 5888. With Austin Price, Rob Lewis, and Brent Hubbs, I am Eric Kane. Again, this is the VolQuest Podcast. A lot to get into here today. It's been a busy news week the last couple of days to begin this new week. And let's go ahead and start with the most recent of which, and that is George McIntyre, the class of 2025 quarterback, has committed to the University of Tennessee. And AP, this is one where you've not swayed the entire time, even well before Nick Saban's retirement. George McIntyre is a Vol. Yeah, and again, credit Josh Heupel. You know, he did a fantastic job of winning George over early. I thought Joey Halsley did a really fantastic job as that recruitment went on. And, uh, you know, I mean, you, you saw George's video. That's not something that he put together, you know, once, you know, Nick Saban retired. I mean, like the kid grew up wearing Tennessee uh, clothes. His mom, you see her there. She is so proud to see her baby put on, uh, put on that power tee and, you know, she's excited. Matt's excited. The whole family's excited. There was like 50 McIntyres there in the gym on Monday. I was like blown away by the amount of family that was on hand. And um, just just an exciting time for that for that family. But, you know, really credit Josh Heupel. He's the one that kind of sold George on the vision early. And uh, George said it to me uh, before we ever taped the uh, interview. Like, you know, I could be living in another state and playing for Josh Heupel is just something I wanted to do. 
You know, AP, I think it's interesting. I think one thing, too, that where Josh Heupel and, and Tennessee staff deserve some credit here is they didn't kind of waver on who they liked in, in this quarterback class, right? I, mean, I think the fact that it wasn't just that they developed a great relationship with George, it's the fact that George was the priority for Tennessee at the quarterback position. When they did their their evals back in the spring and, and last fall, that's the direction they went. And they pushed all the chips in for George. I mean, I'm not saying they couldn't have gotten somebody else down the road if something, if George didn't want to come. But I mean, the fact that they've said, listen, George McIntyre is our number one guy, and they made that commitment to him, I think that resonated as well, don't you? Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, you know, I, I, I know that, you know, there was a lot of talk about Deuce at one point or another, but Deuce was never number one. George was always number one. But you had to play it a certain way if you're Tennessee, because if you didn't get George and, you know, all of a sudden you just totally punted on Deuce at the time, and then you were in a tough spot. So, you know, they, they recruited both hard, Madden as well. Um, but at the end of the day, it was always George McIntyre. Um, the kid's got a seed for an arm. He's got to put on weight. He knows that's where he has to be better, right? Like, you know, I think there's going to be a real conscious effort to find a way to add weight this offseason. Um, you know, and, and, and George has got this huge frame to him. If he adds the weight, then then watch out because he, he can throw it from different arm angles. He can throw it well on the run. He improvises well. He's got a very uh, cerebral football mind about him. And, uh, again, this kid, uh, you know, just has a certain it factor with recruits. You saw it, you know, Matt's uh, reaction piece, you know, since he committed. And you're talking about Jamie French. You're talking about Caleb Cunningham, both guys talking glowingly about George. You have Marcus Harris telling Chad Simmons that he and George have been talking about teaming up for a while. Um, you know, we talked about this the last few weeks. Nico was massive for the program. But as far as, like, pure recruiting other kids in his class, I think George has a, a chance to have a greater impact only because George lives in the footprint, knows kids more readily available to Tennessee in the footprint of Tennessee football recruiting. Tennessee's only going to be able to recruit so many kids out of the state of California, which is where Nico had most of his reach. George's reach is Atlanta, is Alabama, is even Florida, North Carolina with a David Sanders. There is a uh, there's a certain charisma to George, even though like he's a reserved kid, a quiet kid. I don't think he is around other kids his age, and I think that that's something that people resonate towards. Yeah, and you look at the the potential there and, and talk about some of that in-state recruiting. Hubs has a story up on the side right now where Darius Jackson, of course, Ethan Utley, Cameron Sparks, Joe Kim Dotson. I mean, there's a number of prospects in the state that could really benefit from a, a guy like George McIntyre. And, and Rob, this is something that I've written here recently, and uh, there, there's a clear path. Uh, and Hubs mentioned this a moment ago. You know, last year in the cycle, it was such a great quarterback cycle in 2023. Tennessee sought out. They said, hey, Nico is our guy. We want Nico. We're going to go get Nico. And Nico jumped in the boat in early March uh, during that recruiting cycle. Uh, Merklinger as well. He was the guy that you know Tennessee wanted. Tennessee went out and got Merklinger. And now this year, it's George McIntyre. McIntyre is now in the boat getting commitments from your quarterback early in the cycle to build around. It's kind of a staple so far in the early tender, Rob, of, uh, of Josh Heupel. And, and it's a staple of, of top programs you know, around college football. Yep. And that's, you know, the blueprint for, for you know, how Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, and those guys, I mean, they've not been waiting on, you know, kids in the you know, summer before their senior years. They've been, you know, many times recruiting, you know, the same small target group. And I just, I mean, AP touched on it, but I don't think you can overstate it. 
for Tennessee. I mean, Hubbard, you've been doing this a long time, and he's the best quarterback prospect in the state. And it's probably not close, I guess. And I, I mean, that, that says something interesting about, you know, high school football in the state. But still, for, for this level of prospect to be in your state, for it to be at this time in Josh Heupel's tenure here, you know, going into year four when, when you've done some good things, you've, you've clearly elevated the program. I mean, you really had to, to nail that one down. I mean, you're an offensive coach. You're a quarterback, you know, guru. His, you know, he's, the ties he had to, to Tennessee himself. So, you know, I, it wasn't, you know, I'm not saying, you know, if he would, if Josh hadn't landed him, you know, he couldn't get it done here. But it, it was a big, big deal to, to land that kid out of the mid-state from that that high school program that has produced so many guys and the position. I just, you know, I, I think there were a lot of reasons, you know, obviously the, the level the kid, that George can play football at is, is the biggest. But there are a lot of, you know, kind of aesthetics here that, that are really big for Tennessee football. And here, AP, finally the, 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 the cycle fits and – and it hits right for Tennessee, right? I mean, three years ago, we talked about how that class was the best class we've seen in the state of Tennessee. And it had, Simpson, and it had Dallin Hayden, and it had Walter Nolan, and it had players, and, and you know, I'm forgetting many of them. I may have got some of my years confused. But that was a really good class. But the timing was bad for Tennessee, right? Josh Heupel had just gotten on the job. They had the NCAA cloud over their head. This class, this in-state class, has got a chance to be pretty special when you look at the talent, and it's headlined headlined by George McIntyre. And it's going to hit the right way because Tennessee has a brand; they have an identity; they're established. Josh Heupel's established himself. They've worked relationships in the state of Tennessee. It feels like this one's got a chance. What Josh Heupel mentioned in his press conference when you asked him about it in December. He made it clear how important the state of Tennessee in the class of 25 was. Things are set up for Tennessee in state. This was the first piece. I think the question now is how many dominoes can they get to go with it? AP, you look at this committed class of 2025 right now, of course, just the beginning, long way to go. We mentioned some of the names that you know could be you know big-time targets now with George in the boat. But so far, this class, what do you like about Tennessee's 2025 recruiting class? Well, I, I love uh, you got a a quarterback tight end combination that that have already you know kind of become buddies. You know, let's peel back the onion a little bit. So, you know, George is in town Saturday. So is Jack Van Dorslayer, and there is a space. I want to go ahead and reemphasize that we, we there's a space between Van and Dorslayer. So it's not one big word; it's two words because um, that's that's something that we kind of found out over the weekend. But with with Jack, you know, his family is in Knoxville. You know, he has family members here. And so, of course, does George. So, you know, George goes with Jack the other night to hang out. And, you know, his dad, Matt, says, hey, I'll come get you. Let me know when, you know, you're ready to be picked up. George says, hey, man, I'm ready to be picked up. And he sends the location. Jack's family was four doors down from where Matt and them were. And they had no clue that they literally were just down the street. So, like, there's already a natural bond there between quarterback and tight end that, that I think really helps. And so, with Van Dorslayer, with McIntyre, that's a nice start to the offensive side of the ball. You've obviously got a tailback committed, you know, um, with, with, out of the state of Georgia, um, which I think is massive. You know, I, I like the start to this class. They've got a couple of those DBs from Milton um, that, that, that are doing, you know, some really good things. So I, I really like the start to this class. You have a natural ties with Cam Sparks and Rodarius Jackson on the same seven-on-seven team with George McIntyre. Those are going to be easy targets for George to go try to recruit. 
Then you add those big names that we talked about. French, big-time kid, once committed to Alabama, available now. Cunningham out of the state of Mississippi, same type thing. And then the linemen, Juan Gaston, David Sanders, Josh Petty. Now, these are all players that Tennessee will be swinging big for. They're not going to land them all, but can they land their share of that big group, that big group of, of, of top players? So, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I think the the potential is there for Tennessee to have a big class in 25 um, because you started with such a high-profile quarterback. Now let's see what they can do and build around it. Do have a question here, AP? Feel free to jump in on it, but but Brent, let me kind of tailor this towards you. There were still some high profile profile juniors who were in town this past weekend because of flights and everything, but the overall day kind of got canceled. So there was a ton of guys who did not make it into town because of the weather and the roads and all that. How much will that maybe put Tennessee back? I don't think it's going to be anything detriment, but it is one of those times where a lot of guys can come up and see campus for the first time ever, then try to get them back on for spring practice and all that. How big of a loss was Saturday in the grand scheme of things with some of these other names we haven't really mentioned yet? Well, I mean, Austin's going to be able to chime in on this better than I am, I think. There, there's two things that, that jump out. One, if you never get them back here and they were scheduled to be here, it's obviously a big loss. If you can get them back here, then it actually isn't that big of a deal because you had a small number of guys who got to spend a lot of time with your coaches uh, and a little bit more of a one-on-one kind of intimate setting instead of the – a little bit of a cattle herding with a, a big volume of guys here. I purging thing, Austin, is it sounds like the Sanders kid from North Carolina may be back here in a week, could be back first part of February, which that one's important for Tennessee if they can get him back here. But I don't feel like it was just the end of the world bad unless you just have a bunch of kids who don't come back. I don't think anybody was on the cusp of committing somewhere else and you were trying to stave that off. Maybe one guy or two. But I don't know that it was as detrimental as maybe you first thought it could be, right? Yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, You know, I I think ultimately, yeah, you'd love to have had a full group. But I do think Brent brings up a great point that with the kids you did have here, the kids from Texas, you know, the Gilroy kid who's a really nice-looking corner from the state of Texas, Tennessee offered this weekend. Uh, And then you look at the two kids from modern day, um, both Dixon and Harris, um, you know, they get a lot of one-on-one time with the staff. And they were surrounded by George, who obviously is the quarterback in the bell cow, and he's making his pitch. You're also, you know, surrounded by Van Dorslayer, who, uh, you know, again is committed, and he's going to be, you know, doing his thing. So, for my liking, I thought it was great uh, that it wasn't huge, but you still were able to have a little bit of something, right? It wasn't a total loss. Um, we'll see if David Sanders makes it here February third. If he doesn't, I do know he'll be back up here. The first part of March, uh, I, I, you know, that's that's very important to him. Clemson, Georgia, Tennessee, kind of to me the top three right now. Everybody's recruiting David Sanders. Everybody wants David Sanders. I'm just telling you the teams that I think you're going to see him visit in the coming, you know, between two and eight weeks from now. Those three I think will definitely give visits. And uh, you know, again, I think it's a little bit, a little. little a little bit of a loss, but I don't think, as Hub said, there's really nobody that you were trying to stave off from committing elsewhere. And if you can get most of them back up here February 3rd, it doesn't really matter. As a follow-up to that, AP, do you think it helped with Jackson Moy that 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 there wasn't as many here? Did he get more time at, on an official visit as a transfer because you didn't have a bunch of other defensive linemen here? Or do you think it was separate and it's not a big deal either way? 
That's a good point. I do think it would have been natural for him, you know, to not see the coaches as much if you'd had, you know, 40 kids here, uh, including, you know, six or eight more defensive linemen. Uh, but he got all of the attention uh, from Rodney, from Chop, from, you know, Banks, from everybody, from Coach Heupel. And so I, I do think that was big. I thought the addition of, of you know, I don't know what we're going to talk about, of both he and Hurd, obviously it's big for 24. But to me, it's even bigger for 25 because in 25, you, you're going to have guys that come off the books regardless. They're getting kicked out of the house when they turn 18 regardless, right? Like there's no more there's no more eligibility left. All right, we're going to get to those two guys here in just a moment. Lance Hurd commits to Tennessee. Uh, Jackson Moy commits to Tennessee. Tennessee basketball on a roll, taking down Alabama on a Saturday night in Tennessee. All that and more coming up next. But first, a quick word from our friends over at Exterior Home Solutions. It's one of those phone calls that you hate to get from your kids. Hey dad, a tree fell on my house. Well, we got that call a couple of weeks back from our daughter at her house here. And the first call that I made was to Exterior Home Solutions. The peace of mind that they gave me and us as a family when they came out here and came up with a plan, got us connected with the right people is absolutely priceless. Use the same people that I use. In that time of need, Exterior Home Solutions. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. 865-524-5888, exteriorhomesolutions.com. As always, we appreciate them for their partnership here on the VolQuest podcast. Uh, we kind of mentioned them there before we went to a break, and that is Jackson Moy, former defensive lineman from Stanford, uh, was planning to you know be in Washington. Of course, that coaching staff got uprooted, comes to Tennessee, visits, commits on Sunday. Huge news for Tennessee because, again, like you mentioned, AP, you've got Amari Thomas, you got Bryce Nishan, you got Norman Lott, you've got – you know, Elijah Simmons, you got all these interior guys who are going to be gone after next year, but you got a guy that's got multiple years and a pretty productive player so far throughout his collegiate tenure, a, a nice addition via the portal for Tennessee. Yeah, and again, I think those Polynesian interior linemen are are something that you, you really like. You know, um, you know, Tennessee obviously had success with Jesse Mahalona, a former uh, All-American. Uh, JT Milpu is a really good player, uh, you know, and solid player here. And, and now you're adding an, another piece. Now, as far as this current team, you're going to add Moy to Keenan Peely and Nico um, Iamaliava as, as Polynesians on the roster. Um, Moy, originally from San Diego, um, just a good-looking kid, probably a little bit taller version of Jesse Mahalona, maybe not as thick hover, uh, but uh, still really a nice piece to the, to the puzzle. And again, I'll continue to reiterate, huge for 2025. Not that he won't help out this year, because he will, but a year from now, I think that's where, like, the bread really gets buttered. Well, I mean, because, look, you're, you're going to be in the portal probably this next winter in, in that cycle for some interior defensive line help. This takes a little pressure off of that. When you look at where you are, you know, you feel like you, feel like you like Hobbs where you are there. Um, boy, um, if you can get a Nathan Robinson to develop, where, where is – Where's Weathersby, right? Where does a Jason Jenkins, some different guys like that, what do they look like? 
you know, right now it looks good because you got like 16 bodies. You know, you start adding up defensive linemen. Rob, you got you got a laundry list of guys who, who play snaps who are going to be in a rotation, but a lot of those guys inside and outside aren't going to be here next year. So to bring in a guy that you believe you can count on to, to be a big factor for you in 25, and he already understands what you are doing and what you're about is is a nice is a nice get for for Tennessee. Uh, to, to help themselves with, with a little bit of a footprint for 25. I think it's hard to overstate. I mean, AP's been talking about it for, for weeks now. I mean, ever since these guys started, you know, putting out on social media, they were coming back that, you know, hey, that, that's great for next year, but what does 25 look, look like? And and you're right. I mean, it's it's kind of the best of both worlds. I mean, you get a guy who's already played, you know, at, at a high level in college football, knows what it's about to be inside that program, and is also – you know, got some extended time to be a part of part of your program because he's transferred in so early. So I, but I think it's a huge get. You talk about a lot of bodies. I think I know a lot of them are older, and it's kind of top weighted towards, you know, the the veterans, the upperclassmen. But I mean, I, I think that's a sign of a healthy program when you start getting a lot of bodies on both lines of scrimmage, and and some guy, you know, four or five guys that you can't even name because or, or that don't pop into your head because you know they're redshirt freshmen and nobody's expecting anything, but they end up you know, being pieces of the puzzle, being part of the two deep. And I think, you know, I wouldn't say Tennessee's all the way there yet, but, you know, having that many guys in the room, they're getting close. Yeah, and I think, too, Eric, when when you're going portal shopping, unless the guy's elite, and I mean elite, elite, right? Like we're talking, you know, a Pierce in the portal or a Caleb Downs or somebody mm-hmm. like that, I, I think you're leaning towards a, multiple, a guy with multiple years of eligibility if you can go that route. I think Tennessee's done a fabulous job in the portal, getting guys with multiple years. I think there's such an advantage to that. And, and and I think that adds to what Rob's talking about with the healthiness. You're not having to go get a bunch of stopgap guys. You're getting guys that have multiple years that you can continue to develop in your culture. And, and I think that's the way you got to look at the, at the transfer portal, unless the guy's going to get his name called by the commissioner on the first night of the draft, right? Yeah. I, I thought I thought you were gonna get a, a full scout from Justin Wilcox about him, uh, Hubs. I, you know, I will. He at least owes you that after he choked away that game to Auburn early in the year, it cost you the picks on the <laughs> Ball with the Beast podcast. It did. I'm still over the fact that his field goal kicker couldn't beat Auburn, but but I, I do think it's a valid point, right, Eric? I mean, getting multiple year guys is is, is I think that's the way you want to lean in the portal if you can lean. now. And hoops, if you can get a guy like Dalton Connect, who's going to be a lottery pick, okay, yeah, that makes sense, right? Are, are you going to get a guy who the commissioner is going to give him a hat and give him a bro hug on the stage on Thursday night? You take that guy every time. But but if it's not that kind of guy, instead of just getting a one-year player like that, get a guy with multiple years because you, you, there's going to be more value in that in the transfer portal. For sure. And you've seen over the course of the last couple of cycles with Josh Heupel, they've addressed certain needs where they just had to have a guy for sure. Look at, you know, tight end, you know, this go around Holden says he's got a couple of years of eligibility, which works out. But last year you go out and get a guy in McCallan castles, you had to have a guy. And so it, it worked out well. He was super productive and he was going to come in and play whatever, but you had to have a guy that first couple of cycles, you know, even Keenan Peely last year, it turns out he's going to play another year, but you needed a guy a linebacker. Uh, first couple off season with the transfer portal, when you were just trying to build your roster, you want a multi-year guys, but a lot of times you didn't have that luxury, but now I, I think it's, I couldn't agree more unless it's just an absolute stud. You want a guy that's got two or three years to k- kind of be in your roster, be in your culture and all that and more. And Tennessee's done a nice job with that McCoy, 
Uh, Jacoby Thomas, I believe, has two years. Mitch and Stays. Lance Hurd, who we're going to speak on in a moment, and the list goes on. Tennessee's done a really, really nice job of doing that this transfer portal cycle. So and go ahead, Rob. I was going to say, AP or, or Hubbard, what do you guys think? I'll tell you what I like about this, this staff and the portal. They don't panic sign guys. Or it doesn't appear that they panic sign guys. I mean, we saw – you know, and I know that can be hard when you're when you're coming off and you feel like you just got to get help. You got to get help, but there's no they haven't signed like a you know a Keller Crist in this somebody that, just to grab and throw in the rock. I'm Andre Londons. Another good one. Another blast from the past. AP and I and I'm not and I'm not picking on Pruitt and that staff. I mean, they came in and, and had a lot of holes to fill, but so did Josh. I mean, when he came in, and you just not you've not seen him bring in a lot of dead weight via the transfer portal. Well, they, Let they me did, ask you this: I mean, one time with the running back from Clemson, but he was here like. You know, three minutes. And, and you could you could argue yeah. about Jawan Mitchell, but I don't know that that was really a talent issue. No, yeah, I mean he, he he's he's been through four or five teams, so that's not really a talent issue. Let me ask you this though, kind of going back to that first transfer portal cycle with the staff, Javante Payton was he a guy that they just needed a receiver? It turned out well. He scored you know four or five touchdowns for Tennessee. Did a pretty good job in one year. Had eighteen receptions on the year. But was he one of those guys where it's just kind of like, all right, he's got a little bit of that SEC experience. Let's get him now. Because I think he would kind of fit that mold. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at where they were at the roster that first yeah. year, you had to go get one-year guys. I mean, they, they took some one-year guys that first year because they had to because they had 30 guys leave, okay? And and when they came in, I mean, the portal was – I mean, they took a bunch of guys in spring, in the springtime as, as well just because they were they were in a bad spot that way. I think, again, when you're healthier and you're, and you're stable the way that you are, you want to try to get multi-year guys – you know, unless it's a stud, because what you want to do is you want to get out of the cycle of signing, you know, a portal guy at that position every year as a one-year plug and play, right? I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to put, you don't want to put a bunch of position guys on one-year tender sheets, basically, is what you're trying to avoid doing. I mean, you know, and, and I think that's the important thing with the tight end position, right? You got Ethan Davis, who's got multi-years, you got Holden Stage, you brought in Cole Harrison, Right now, all of a sudden, Austin, you're not sitting here looking at next December going, man, you got to have two tight ends or you're not going to be able to line up and play the position. Right. I mean, you, you got to get some depth created that way. And signing multi-year guys gives you that opportunity. And I think Tennessee can do that now. They couldn't do that in year one. Well, and they were able to also get the kid from Alabama, who, again, right now has one year. Could he win an appeal based off of playing four games and a postseason game in JUCO? Maybe. I, they, they give out more of those those uh, appeals now than they used to. Um, but either way, like, that room's kind of been rebuilt uh, in the last six to seven weeks. And then, again, you add Van Dorslayer um, for 25, and you, you feel a little better about the tight end spot than you did last year and even the year before. Yeah, and even if you don't win that appeal, which is very much up yeah. in the air right now, like, I don't, I don't hate just getting that guy, again, as an example of – just getting a body because you took care of your need, a productive guy and holding stays multiple years and all that. Him, Ethan Davis is going to go. You still slim pickings for 2024's roster at the tight end position. And you, you really just need another body. And, and, right. and he just kind of, kind of fits that. Nice. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's move over now to uh, Lance Hurd. Polls closed a while ago, but uh, he officially makes his announcement on Sunday, uh, you know, back to back with, uh, with Jackson Moy and, and within the hour, Lance Hurd is going to be a huge addition both for 2024 and beyond. He will be a starting tackle barring injury. Um, you know, formerly the, the highest rated recruit on LSU's signing class in 2023, a former five-star Brent Hubs 
Huge get for Tennessee to pair with John Campbell. You got Dane Davis as well. Of course, Gerald Mincy's gone to the transfer portal, needing bodies, but also a guy that's got a tremendous upside, a little bit of experience, but tremendous upside in Lance Hurd. Yeah, he played almost 200 snaps. Um, everybody's asked, why did he leave LSU? Well, there's two All-American tackles uh, on that roster that, you know, I don't think he wanted to set another year behind. And and he wanted the opportunity to play and feels like he can play. Um, I, I'm curious to get to know the guy. I, I There's a part of me that loves the way he went about this whole transfer portal process, as maddening as, as it was at times. Uh, there's a part of me that kind of appreciates the fact that he just – he didn't want to be re- – it wasn't about being re-recruited. It wasn't about, you know, a top 10 or a top five or, you know, rehashing every visit and, and all those types of things. He's kind of wanted to show up and go play football. And um, I, I can respect that. Um, it, it almost felt AP like the graphic on Sunday was almost a reluctant deal. It was just kind of like, I just want to show up and, and, and just, hey, I want to go to class. I want to go to the weight room and I want to go meet my teammates. I want to start working out and get ready to play. There's a part of me that kind of likes that mentality with transfer portal kids personally. Yeah. I mean, uh, it is interesting. He was at Tennessee for seven minutes and Oklahoma for 12 minutes on two official visits. And I mean, like the kid just had this whirlwind weekend. He spent more time in the air than he did, you know, in, on a campus know, on campus and, you know, was done. Didn't take any more visits <laughs> was good. And uh, it probably has been in the boat for a while, you know, um, and it's just a matter of, again, you know, getting to that point where you could put out a graphic. Um, and again, like, I just don't think that was in him at all. Like, you know, talk to him on the phone. Super nice kid. He's like, man, I look, I'm not trying to put you off. I'm really not. I just, I've got so many Zooms I'm on and applications to fill out and all this stuff. Getting signed up for classes. He's like, I just, he goes, we'll talk when I get up there. And I'm like, that's cool. You know, I mean, like, he, again, super nice. So, you know, it just, Seemed like a super low-key kid who, you know, just wants to play, just wants to play football and wants to be a factor on the field. And, Rob, he's going to have to be a factor when you look at where Tennessee's at, at the tackle position. I mean, that's – we talk about getting multiple-year guys. That's great. You also need plug-and-plays, and, and this is a guy – everything about him says plug-and-play. Oh, he's the best of both worlds. I mean, you, and exactly. I mean, Tennessee did well last year with John Campbell. It looks like they might have even cranked it up a notch. You know, this year with her, I mean, a guy that just, I mean, literally everybody wanted. And, you know, I, I thought that was a really nice pull. And that's stating the obvious, but with the kind of suitors that this guy had, um, I, I thought that's, I thought that made a pretty big statement about how Tennessee's program is viewed. I, I know NIL is a factor, but, you know, everybody, everybody recruiting that kid had an NIL package, yeah. you know, to offer. And for Tennessee to, to land him at, at, at that position, I mean, Hubbard, how long have you been talking about? you know, how big of a need that was. I mean, since before, well before the bowl game. And, uh, man, it's kind of like EC said a minute ago with McAllen Castles. I mean, this time, or you know, in December last year, they had to go get a guy at that position. You know, they, they looks like they hit a home run again with, with her and kind of, you know, under the gun in, in a similar situation. So play on words there as well, because he will pull plenty and kick out in, in Tennessee's run scheme. Um, but, but it, it kind of works out well, too, in this regard, too, uh, Rob, because Tennessee needs to find a starting left guard, and they'll, they'll look at that over spring and summer and in fall camp. But, I mean, if, if you're healthy, you got, Dan, you, got, uh, you got John Campbell on the right, likely, Lance Hurd on the left, but those are your two tackles. You got a guy like Dane Davis who has started and played in so many different games for Tennessee. He can be your swing. He might have a hand in the left guard position as well. He could probably slide in and play guard. 
But if everybody's healthy, you feel really good about your options now with those two and a swing guy in Dane Davis who's played an awful lot in this offense. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think it makes a left guard competition really interesting, you know, because now all of a sudden, do you, you if you feel like you're good with, with those two at tackle, does Sham get a real hard look at guard? You know, is that a better fit for him than the tackle position? I think that's something now you can experiment a little bit with in spring practice as you try to figure out who your best five are. Um, and you got some more bodies there to work with. And I think the other thing it does too is it, it takes some, if you stay healthy, it takes pressure off Bennett Warren, AP, who I think has got a chance to be a, a really good player at Tennessee. I, I like, and, and seeing him in the Polynesian Bowl and looking at his frame, there's a lot to like there. What I don't like is that he's not a midterm enrollee yeah. because, you know, he's going to, he's going to miss the time in the weight room. You wonder what kind of shape he's going to arrive in. So now you can bring him about in the 24 season if you stay healthy and there's not a lot of pressure out of the gate for somebody to kind of just, you know, throw him in there and survive if you have to. And I, I think that, you know, it, it sets up well, it helps Tennessee set up better for 25 on the offensive line, which is obviously important for the growth of this offense. Yeah, a thousand percent. Um, you know, you look at it at Ben Warren, I think he does have a lot of potential. He just got to get off some of that bad weight. And I think he knows that. Like when he gets in there and the nutritionist goes, here's our plan. Weight room guys go, here's our plan. I think he's going to trim it off. And I think he is way more like Orlando Brown than he is Gerard Shaw, right? Like, you know, two big kids that one was going to go one direction, one was going to go the other. And I think that the sky's the limit for Bennett Warren. Again, it's just a matter of getting in there um, and, and getting some of the, the, the bad weight off of him. Um, but, I mean, you can't teach size. You can't teach athleticism at his size. And then both of those things he has. Rob, did you have Gerard Shaw on your bingo card for a podcast reference today? I did not. I did not, Hover. I, I did not have Jay Shaw make an appearance. But I, I think that's I think that you're right. I mean it's No, it's a great it's a great analogy. Yeah, and that's the challenge for Bennett Warren. Like and I think Bennett Warren's motivated, you know, to be yeah. to, to, in a different way than Gerard Shaw was. And, and so I, I think but again, there there's not as much pressure on, on him moving forward, which which I think is is good because Listen, you can do all the things you're supposed to do at home, uh, but but not being here and being around it and, and understanding how it is, it's different, you know. But but you're opening yourself up for some really good competition in spring practice, which I think is good for Tennessee. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too because I, I don't know what's happened over the course of college football, obviously. Um, I mean, more and more guys come in as mid-year guys now, but here in recent memory, I mean, Darnell Wright was not a mid-year guy and he played a ton as a freshman on a bad offense. Cooper Mays was not a mid-year guy. He played a little jumbo tight end, and AP helped me. I think he started a game. Cooper, was a, from... Cooper was a mid-term guy. Yeah. Yeah, Cooper oh, I was he, a mid-term. I, I thought Catholic didn't allow them to come. No, no he and Cade both were. Cade broke the mold, and then uh, Cooper and Tyler Barron we, continued. It, it's, it's commonly referred to as the Mays rule <laughs> down, <laughs> down off Cedar Bluff these days because it, it did change that. one. But to your point, yeah. and again, th this goes back to where I think it's good that Tennessee's at. Some of those guys you mentioned, they had to play because – they were in a situation in their program that, and I've said this before, they were handing out starting spots when they handed out pads. Mm -hmm. It happened when Juwan James was here, right? When you look at that that young offensive line they had to throw out there that year, um, there, there was a handful of those guys who weren't physically ready, but they, they had to go play right out of the gate. And, and so what you want to do is you don't want to have to do that to, to Bennett Warren. I mean, Darnell Wright was not ready to play as a freshman. Nope. Didn't have a choice. That's where they were. He was the best option they had. 
the good news is because of what you have done in the portal here and having John Campbell stay, your option is not giving a starting job to a guy who's not ready when he arrives in the summertime. And that's the point I was trying to make. I don't want to talk about this now because we're towards the end of it. And I want to get into some hoops, but something we need to discuss, you know, as the weeks progress, kind of on this conversation of where you are and how you want to attack the transfer portal, where your roster is, how much better now, and knowing that there's still holes, there's still questions, but how much better now is this roster than where it's been in the last, you know, four or five years? Um, there's been a lot of improvement. Still not where it needs to be in terms of, you know, the consistency and all that. And that comes with time and recruiting and all that and development, of course. Uh, but this roster, in my opinion, is much, much better now, obviously, than where it was three, four years ago. Uh, Rob, Dalton Connect just continues, man. He's um, SEC Player of the Week, repeats there. Uh, he's the National Player of the Week. Tennessee rolls Alabama. Tennessee hoops looking good. Dalton Connect playing like the All-American that he's going to be. He's out of control, man. I mean, I just yeah. – I mean, we, we've all talked about it. We've said it. I mean, I, I knew the guy was going to be good, thought he was going to be good, just based off how much chatter there had been. But I – no inclination that he was going to be this good. I don't think Rick Barnes did either. I'll just, I'll just throw that out there. You know, I think, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, I think coach definitely thought that he had a player, you know, he had a player in his hand. I don't, I don't think that coach necessarily thought he had the potential SEC player of the year. And, you know, you, you didn't, you didn't think there. he was, you didn't think they were going to sit down and watch um, Durant tape together to figure out how to, how to attack defenses the way that they're going to guard you now. Don't you I don't think so. Again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Rick, you know, did say that. Because, I, I, you know, again, people inside the program were talking about, man, this guy's killing people in the gym, you know, in, in June and July. I mean, you know, nobody could guard this kid. But, you know, nobody was also saying, hey, this guy's going to put up bigger numbers than Grant Williams or this guy's going to be, you know, put up bigger numbers than Chris Lofton. So not, not surprised he's a good player, blown away that he's – you know, one of the best players in the country. I mean, you, I, that's, you didn't that's think not he was operable. Gonna be Ricky Rowe? You didn't think he was going to be Ricky Rowe? I didn't. I didn't think he was going to be this. I mean, it's it's special. I mean, people need to appreciate it. I mean, it's yeah. it is really special what what he's nice. doing. Nice reference to Blue Chips, uh, a very underrated Nick Nolte performance. By there the way. we go, Hover. <laughs> Rob, Rob, I do want to ask because this gets asking every like every color guy who's doing a game references this in the broadcast. Yeah, we talked to whoever the opposing coach is. It was Nate Oates, or it was her. Did you know about Dalton Connect coming out of the transfer portal? And the response was, well, we knew who he was, but if we didn't know he was this, we were going to recruit him harder. Why, why did Tennessee find him? Not that they knew he was going to be this, but why did Tennessee or how did Tennessee find him and other people didn't seem to find him? Well, I can't answer about other people. I mean, I just know that you know Tennessee, Rod Clark, assistant coach was watching you know a former high school player that that you know he had worked with that was playing against northern colorado and and connect and you know saw him you know filed him away and then you know didn't think anything about it until you know a couple months later and he sees his name on the transfer portal list and he's like you know hey i've, I've seen this guy he's a really good player we need to look into it and you know i i don't know what tennessee saw on tape that other people didn't but you know it wasn't like he was unknown i mean who i can't remember who the other i know indiana was you know, one of the last ones in there. And I, I can't remember who else he looked at, you know, really hard. It all happened so fast. But, I mean, Tennessee liked him. And, I mean, he was a take in, immediately. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, let's see who's the kid, the Harvard kid that, that was here for Ledlam. a second. Ledlam. It, wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, let's wait and see what Ledlam does or wait and see, you know, what, you know, who's coming back. I mean, they liked Connect immediately. I mean, they were, you know, they were aggressive and, and we're going to take him for the moment. But I, as, as to why other people 
you know, is why you know North Carolina or Kentucky or who weren't on him in similar fashion. I, I don't know the answer to that, but in, in hindsight, it looks like a lot of people dropped the ball. Probably seen a lot of B-roll of him right there. Jordan Ganey, how important was it to see Jordan Ganey kind of break out of his slump, do what he did the other night against Alabama? What's that mean if he can give Tennessee something like that? I mean, he's not going to average that every single game, but how important was that for him and for Tennessee just to see that he could do it again? I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but I think it's really big. I mean, you're talking about a kid that in four SEC games was one of 14 from the no. floor, and you know, that's that's a slump. And But also, you know, I, I think that, you know, Jordan knew he was a good shooter. I mean, he, he made 49% from, from three two years ago as a freshman. So it, those kind of guys have confidence, but you still got to see the ball go in the basket. You know, he, he had had his minutes cut, you know, a, as a result. So I, I think it was huge. I, I just think whether it's him or somebody else, Tennessee needs a little bit of offensive spark off the bench. And, and again, like you said, Eric, he's not going to go for 15 every night. But if he can be a guy that comes in and hits a couple of three-pointers a night, uh, I, I wrote this. I mean, that's with the way Connect is playing, the way Ziegler's playing. If you can just get a little something from him, it's if you're Rick Barnes, it's like reaching your pocket and finding a twenty dollar bill that you know you forgot about when you put in the dirty clothes. It's just a, it's just a really nice little boost. How much of adjustment do you think he's had to make, Rob? Because I mean, obviously, when when he's playing at, at, at Upstate, right? Like he's he's got the ball in his hand. I mean, that, like it's all going through him all the time, right? I mean, how much of adjustment, not just to the speed and the physicality of the SEC, but just to the way he plays without the ball in his hand or the way he has to play now, the way he's playing now compared to what he what he did when he was, you know, the focal point of a, oh, of a team. It's a tremendous, tremendous adjustment. I mean, I'm, I, I congratulate him because, I mean, he went from being the best player on his team, a first-team all-conference player. I mean, two years ago, he led the NCAA in three-point accuracy. I mean, went legit right at 50% as a freshman over there. So, you know, he's not having plays called for him anymore. I mean, some, I mean, we just talked, he had his minutes cut significantly, you know, during December. Uh, so, I mean, I, he's gone from a guy that was having, you know, probably plays called for him eight, nine, 10 times a half coming out of timeouts. And now he's, you know, wondering if he's going to get that second rotation in a half. So he gets eight minutes instead of four. So I, I think mentally it's had to have been a tremendous adjustment for him. And I, I also think that tells you a lot about the kid because, you know, he, with his father, I can promise you, he knew exactly what he was getting into. He didn't think he was going to come in here and start or, you know, play 25 minutes a game. He knew he was going to come in and be a role player, come off the bench. And I think that just shows you how much he wanted to play at this level, compete at this level, and, you know, and measure himself against that. And, and Jordan has a great attitude. Don't get me wrong. He's he's not chafing and, you know, thinking, you know, I should be playing more. I mean, he's, he's a great teammate. And, you know, I think to your point, Hubbard, I, I think he's, he's made a tremendous adjustment and, and knew what he was getting into. Eric, can I ask one more? Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. It's your website, man. You ask whatever you want. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not. It, that, I'm just along for the ride. Um, I, but, Rob, I mean, everybody talks about Connect, right, and, and the transfer portal win and, and the win that it was and, and, and how big of a difference that is. I don't know that everybody understands how big of a transfer portal win it was for Tennessee to get Jonas Adu back. That that wouldn't look like at one point he was out the door, right, Rob? Well, I don't know that he was out. He had options. I mean, he had people call. I mean, he 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 had people Oxford (laughs) reaching out, reaching out to him um, aggressively, and he didn't want to leave. But he was, you know, I I don't know about, I don't know all the details of the NIL space. I mean, he didn't want to leave. He just wanted something that, and and he stayed at Tennessee for my understanding a significantly 
lower package than what he could have gotten somewhere else. Yep. And, but, you know, because of the culture, because he loves his teammates, he likes his coaches, yep. and, and he wants to win. And, and, and I'm, yeah, Hubbard, it's a big deal. I mean, Connect's fantastic. He's fabulous. But, uh, and I know, Britt, me and you have talked about it um, just between ourselves. Rick's not had a two way big man like that in, in nine years here. I mean, Kyle Alexander turned into a great defensive player, but he was never a guy that, you know, you dump, you, you called to play for, you know, coming out of halftime or coming, you know, the first play of the, of, of the game. And, man, I think it's hard to understate what Jonas has turned into, how much that helps his team when you've got a guy like Connect. I mean, Connect's guy is never going to be able to come off and double the post, ever, if they're on the same side of the court. He's, you know, he's rich man's Bill Cartwright, Rob Lewis. Rich <laughs> man's Bill Cartwright. I mean, just to have a, have a legit low-post guy like that with the way Dalton is playing on the perimeter right now, I, mean, I think it makes Tennessee a really tough scout. Out the door, Rob. No midweek game this week. So, what are your midweek plans? And then early scout on Vanderbilt uh, as Tennessee hits the road on Saturday. Uh, me and AP, me, me and AP's got me catching up on some of those National Geographic documentaries on on Disney. It's my assignment for went Tuesday and Wednesday this week. So okay. Midweek game. We expect a full report on the uh, on the mailbag later in the week. Okay. <laughs> All right. Can't wait for that. All right. A lot of good stuff here on the Falk West podcast. Appreciate you guys for being here. I didn't here. know the way you thought it was going to go, Eric. He didn't offer an awful lot. I thought he was going to continue on, but I yeah. guess not. He's ready to go. AP's yep. big on the Nat Geo documentaries. We'll be there, Polynesian Bowl. George McIntyre has agreed. We'll be there. <laughs> Brent Hubbs, awesome price. Rob Lewis, Cy American. As always, big thanks to Exterior Home Solutions. 865-524-5888. Local and trusted. Since 1999, that is our friend's exterior home solutions. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Ballquest podcast. We'll be back later in the week for the Mailbag podcast. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the Ballquest podcast every week here on Ballquest. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. 
Kansas, 1877 stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.